Well, hello, everybody. It is fun night Thursday, and I have, I have so much stuff planned for you. This show is going to take a while. Um, we got lots of studio guests tonight. We have lots of sponsors. Oh, and I have an audience of one. Now, that shows how big I am. <laughs> I have a friend in the audience today from Oregon, but now he's a Montanan. It, it's kind of a cool thing to do. It's, it's happening all over the country. Um, if you guys are watching right now, share this on your page as we're going. Our sponsors tonight are Compton Family Wines. And guess what? They're harvesting the grapes. So we're going to be showing some pictures of that and heading to Tabitha and Philomath at their winery. Um, we're also going to talk with Chris. Well, we're not going to talk with Chris Dental Family Dentistry, but they are one of our sponsors every night. Um, Dr. Michael Bratlin, where your vaccination status doesn't matter. You, what, That's your choice. What he does is wants to treat and make sure that your gums and your mouth is healthy. That's all he cares about. Um, and our other sponsor is BS Free MD, uh, a couple of doctors out of Sweet Home, Oregon, who started a podcast and they do really cool things. And tonight um, they're going to tell you about a podcast they're doing on a guy who says that plants are out to kill you. So he only eats meat, no vegetables. So when your mom said, did you eat your vegetables? If you asked this doctor, he'd say, don't eat them. So they're going to tell you about that podcast. And then you'll have to watch the podcast to see it. And Basin Tackle Rob is here. And he and I are going to tackle a couple of issues I've written down. Um, what we do is kind of political satire. And you'll get used to it or you'll leave. It's whatever you want to do. And Bill London joins us. And I don't know what's going on with that guy, but every night, every week, he's got more and more news. So he's like, like, like I got a 17 minute news segment and I watched parts of it and you're going to love it. So let's start with the one person who's not going to be here, Dr. Bratlin, and then we'll get right into our show. This is Dr. Michael Bratlin from Chris Dental. Just because we live in Oregon doesn't mean we have to accept this crazy left-wing ideology the rest of our lives. We don't have to succumb to CRT, gender identity, indoctrination, out of control, homelessness, crime, and so on. We can actually make a change and it starts with the next election. Right now, it is our responsibility to make sure that those who share our same values are elected in November. Make sure you and everyone that you know actually votes. We can and will take back Oregon. Well, and Rob and I are going to talk about that tonight. Can, can Oregon take back Oregon? Um, so who should we go to first? You know, I think the big thing happened in downtown Springfield. So Kim Stark, um, she knows how to work things. I worked with her for a long time. And so she found the newest business to go in down there. You guys know that downtown Springfield is the place to be, right? I mean, that's where everybody's locating. There's all kinds of new places. Tavern on Main, uh, Planktown's been there for a while, but they're one of the big hitters down there. You got the Washburn Cafe. You got a new wine shop, the wine tasting. Well, down across the street from Planktown is a new place that kim discovered and she took her family down there it's not even open yet and they're eating pie what is that all about kim they, yeah so first off i did not discover this i will give dave the credit because you told me to reach out to dave who told me about a new business coming in and new, number two i did not bring them for the pie rick i want to eat the pie i'm going to be eating it myself they so what's the name of the place well, well what's the name of the place okay so we are at Mary over here. We're this is Carrie the owner, and I don't want to give away her glory because she's the big the big big here. 
you get a little applause tonight with his little. So I'm going to have Perry take over. They, she actually, tell them how you own another restaurant and then you start. And Terry, come up to the camera really close. No, no, like really Won't be, yeah. she's not. <laughs> um, yeah. So my husband and I own Flashback Grill and it's over on 42nd and Main. And um, I do all the baking for them there. And it was the, the pies and the cakes do really well. And we were just mentioning how we can enhance downtown Springfield and just make it um, more inviting than it, it is, which is already super inviting. There's so many great restaurants and so many great shops. And we're just like, what can we do to add to it? And um, yeah, dessert shop. <laughs> so well, what do yeah. you guys serve? What kind of stuff do you have besides pie? Um, so I have cake pops, cake, cheesecake, cupcakes, I'm going to make big cookies and then um, you can mix and match cookies and make an ice cream sandwich. So we'll do ice cream sandwiches. We'll have coffees and Italian sodas and tea. And what are your hours going to be? So it's going to be from noon to nine o'clock every day. So wow. you'll be able to go out to dinner and then just continue the date and go out for dessert afterwards. See, that's exactly what Dave Lovell and his business partners have wanted is a dessert place downtown. So people can go to Planktown and they have good desserts, too. But sometimes you like to spread it around. You know what I mean? So somebody could come in there and get but staying open till nine. There's so many places that just, you know, they do a daytime thing and you can't. Most of us don't go out during the day. We're going yeah. out at night, you know, and that's crazy. Well, that is now. Once again, what's the name of the place? Of your it's called uh, Main Street Suites. It's very easy to think of like, oh, I want a suite. I'm on Main Street. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, we're from noon to nine. And then that way we don't cut into any of the businesses around us that are also serving coffee. So next door we have Lovely, which is really, really good. And across the street, we have Washburn Cafe and they both are open in the mornings and close in the afternoon. We'll be open in at noon. And that way we're not taking away from anyone. We're just right. adding. Yeah. So, so what kind of coffee are you serving? Uh, we'll have lattes, mochas, um, just your black coffee. We'll have tea and chai and, you know, Italian are you, soda. Are you excited? I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really ready to be open. I'm just waiting on the green light from Lane County. We have all the paperwork in. It just takes a matter <laughs> of them being like, okay, go ahead. You know? So yeah, it's, it's making me really, really anxious. Everything's <laughs> basically ready. I would love to start baking and selling things. <laughs> so are you, I think people are going to think this and ask this. So, so, you know, we're kind of, well, it depends on who you listen to. If you listen to the president, we're not, but we're kind of like in a recession. Is that kind of scary to start a business at this time? Sure is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. It's hard because my husband and I will hear of all these great places that are shutting down and like places that we love. And um, it's really hard when you're hearing of local places, especially where you're just like, guys, come on and support local. And here they are shutting down. And then, Many times I'm thinking, what am I doing opening up a place when everyone else is shutting down? But I'm hoping that it'll it'll add add to things like bring joy and add to things. That's what I, I want to do. I think it's really gutsy and amazing and very I think it's awesome. I mean, you're you you very <laughs> but, but I think, you know what, this is also I think what people don't understand is in hard times like that, it's also a really good time for people to, to push in. People always want to pull back, but it's like you push in. Um, uh, yeah. And would you let Kim and, and us know when you officially open and we'll put something out to let you know? Yes. Stop it, Kim, stop it. What's in this coconut cream? Uh, this is a black bottom coconut cream. It's one of the biggest sellers. Um, I go through about, I think, eight of these a week. But it's dark chocolate ganache on the bottom and then coconut cream on top. I mean, yum. Yes, I've tried it. It is delicious. I you know the the Kim on your Kim, the look on your face is like nanner, nanner, nanner. Look at what we get. And the kids heard cake pops. You should have seen their faces when they heard <laughs> that one. 
Um, they're like, wait, what did she just say? Kim's going to drive home and go, you know, kids, maybe my, my segment on Rick's show should always be about food. And, and I mean, I'm thinking there's a trend here happening. And how fun is this, too? It's also, she was talking about she's nervous, but this is what people are looking for. Yeah. I mean, they all, Tom, not fair. They all want some fun dessert place to go to or just some fun place to hang out. I think it's awesome. So well, and you know, because they, because you've got the, um, you've got the, uh, oh God, the, help me, the brew house. Right down. Yeah. Where I go, like every time I'm there, I go there. I can't believe I can't remember their name, but you know, I do have, I am 63. Mm -hmm. So a uh, public house. And so people could go see what Kathy and I would honestly do. We'd go have a beer, mm -hmm. we'd come over there, get some dessert. Then we go home and probably have dinner because we don't eat out a whole lot. But I mean, you could do the whole thing and you could just hang out through town. She's going to be really irritated when she finds out you just opened up. But not and, she, I know she's going to be, you guys have to come back. And the other thing is the coffee later, like you were saying too, because other places close early and some people, they want that, you know, a lot of people like coffee in the afternoon. So I yes, know. some people yeah. like to stay out. Yeah. Past eight <laughs> well, well, good luck. And we wish you all the luck and Kim, thank you. And um, I'll be looking for my pie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll struggle through and eat some for you. All right, Kim. Thank Bye, you. Guys. All right. Thank see you later. Know. All right. See, something new in Springfield. You find out from here in Montana. So there's also something new going on in Philomath. Oh, but you're not Philomath. What the hell are you doing here? Get out of here. There she is. Oh, Hi. God, that's so much better. It scared me. I thought, Tabitha, you used to be so pretty. And you we lost went to your Texas. hair on a cowboy hat. <laughs> and you talked I should have brought my cowboy hat. So you have kind of an exciting day. It was a busy day, yeah. Sun. We were We were ready for the sun to come up and... Picking in the dark for a little bit, what but I want to I want to talk about the sweets. Is we last weekend for our winery at the wine club, we did a coconut cream pie from uh, our local bakery. We have been paired with riesling, and it was so fabulous. So riesling with coconut cream pie. That's... Yeah, it it did not suck. So it did not suck. So how how um when you start the 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 harvest season. Is that what is this? I mean, this is did this just start, or you have you been doing this for a little bit? Um, about a week and a half into it. Look at this person pick. I have never seen anything like that. Yeah, and they and they go faster, but yeah, she was pretty quick. So how many how many grapes? I don't know how to say this even. I'm, I, Rob's going to tease me so bad because I don't know anything about what I'm talking about here. Um, they picked, it took them a couple hours and well, they started at 7, 10 or 7, 15 and they were done by uh, probably nine o'clock and they picked nine tons. So 9.8 9. tons of grapes. Right now. So then we brought it to the winery and then we're putting it the white so it's a white wine, so it's pressed. Putting it in the conveyor belt and then it's going up into the press. And so then what happens from there? It goes into the press that's in the back there, and then we pump it into the winery into a tank where it ferments. Okay, so here's this woman out there that was talking to us, and so be quiet because she's gonna she needs her say. Hold on. It's a gorgeous fall morning. The, uh, we had a picking <laughs> Pinot Gris. So Pinot Gris is a blush grape. The uh, skin has color, but the flesh does not. So typically a white wine that you just throw in the press right away. So it's black and white, but we also ferment it on the skins sometimes too to get some color. 
And uh, the crew that was picking this morning, they said the fruit looked great, but also they had enjoyed picking the vines because our lambs come through and cleaned off the lower portion where the uh, grapes, excuse me, the leaves were there. And so they cleaned it all up so it was really easy for them to pick. So they're enjoying the fact that it's a clean, easy, fast pick for them because they get paid per bucket. So your lambs make it easier for your employees. Look, look how everything, that's kind of what regenerative farming is all about, right? Everything kind of has a place and a way to do things. Yeah, when we kind of, we're new into regenerative farming. I, I, uh, I've, I heard a good podcast recently that says, leave the farm better than you found it. So I feel like we're doing that, but there's always projects, but any time there is with farming, but we kind of bumped into the fact that we had a crew come out and do about five acres of um, leaf pulling, which we talked about a while ago, how the, they just clean up the leaves and expose the grapes so the sun can get to it. Um, but the lambs, we inadvertently threw them out on a section of Pinot Gris that we're gonna take the vines out and they weren't eating the grapes. So we just kind of learned that we could throw them out there, they'll eat the leaves and they're too small, they're short. So they weren't actually damaging the grapes. So then we threw them in, in the section that we hadn't had a crew come in. So yeah, it'll be nice next year to just throw them out there and save money and not have the expense of a crew coming out to do that. So is that, is that kind of fun as you're experimenting oh, and yeah. learning you think better ways of doing it? Because not a lot of people do regenerative farming. I mean, it's becoming more popular, but it's not the thing yet. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can save money and have, um, you're feeding something that you're not having to add other food to, but yeah, sim simplifying. It's awesome. Well, it, was, it was fun to realize that for sure. Well, plus they, I mean, they poop. So they you're fertilizing. Poop. You're, yeah. you're fertilizing your grapes at the same time. I mean, let's be real here. Yeah. So I have some samples. This was a Pinot Gris that, well, up close. So it's uh -huh. very much a dark grape. And so, Pinot means cone. So they're shaped like a pine cone. Really? This That's is nice Pinot Noir. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a Pinot. And then this was, um, this was actually, this little section is Pinot Gris. So Pinot mutates tends to mutate so this is actually a mutation of oh my gosh i sorry of pinot gris and pinot blanc so it's kind of cool that you get to see these sort of there that's How better does it do that? they just interbreed or something or somebody uh -huh. yeah they mutate on the vine so to set in a clone you you yeah you have to um well matt's much better at officially saying it but yeah you have to graft it to get those different pinot noir clones but so were the grapes you were showing us outside, were those, those were Pinot Noir or those are Pinot Gris? That was Pinot Gris. That was the white. So, so with the, when you leave this, when you leave the skin on it, that's the Ramado. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Cause we bought the Ramado and it's more like a rosé color, but it's uh -huh. still, still like a Pinot Gris too. This one. Yeah. I really like the oh, Ramado. I can't get my camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There. It's fun. All right. So the, um, the, the, uh, Tasting room is open tomorrow through Sunday. Yes, Friday through Sunday, noon to five. I did have somebody, uh, a cute little gal come in last weekend. She's like, I'm here because of Rick Dancer. So that was fun. Enjoyed talking well, with her. That's what we like to hear. So you guys, yeah. if you go in there and they'll give you $15 off if you mention Rick Dancer for your first uh, one bottle or, or two bottles or more. Two bottles and free wine tasting. Yeah. So that's all you have to do to go mention. You don't have to pay for your wine tasting either. Just say Rick Dancer's a wino and they'll say, we know, and then they'll do their thing. Yep. Uh, we'll take care of you. It was good talking to you. Good talking to you. All right. See you later. Bye.
Love that lady. Um, and their wine is delicious. So you really got to try it out. Okay. Rob's coming up in a second, but first May and Tim are this, our new clients and they are, they do, they're two doctors and they're married and they're actually been married for like a long time. And um, so they must get, I guess they must play doctor. Hmm? Hmm. There's something to think about. They're, they're wacky. They're crazy. They're fun. They're interesting. Um, and happy birthday, May. Her birthday is today. Um, but they taped up a little interview thing and then they left some things in there that they didn't expect me to edit in. But I did anyway, because that's kind of the nasty, gnarly guy that I am. And um, but they have a podcast every that goes online every Thursday. So what they're doing is every week they're going to be here to promote that podcast and let you know to go over on Spotify, Apple, whatever it is. and Look up BS like bullshit BS free MD and they do all kinds of topics. And this week they'll tell you what their topic is all about, but uh, it all has to do with the meat. Deep and get into oh. the meat of the matter. I need a, I need a wine. <sighs> That's really disgusting. Okay. Do you want to do another take? I can't touch anything now because my hands are all bloody. <laughs> you don't need to touch anything now. Okay. I've we'll got do a, bloody, bloody hands. Another take and we can send this to, to, to Rick and he can play with it however he wants. Already play with it so, however he wants. Same thing, basically. Yes, we are putty in your hands. All right. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having us back again this week. I'm just going to say shout out to October 13th, the middle of the month. Yay, it's my birthday today. And uh, we're still dealing doing our sober October. Um, Tim's hanging in there pretty well. I'm along for the ride, although I don't know how long it'll last. Well, it is it is your birthday, so maybe you'll have to slip up. But um, hey, oh, I don't care. I'll make you drink. I'll never tell. But we are super excited for the episode that's dropped today. Uh, yes, I have been fangirling out on this guy for a while. I call him the original uh, carnivore MD, although he goes by the plant-free MD, Dr. Anthony Chafee. The interview with him is amazing, and he is exclusively carnivore. Yes. In this episode, we dig down very deep and get to the meat of the matter. You just had <laughs> to do that for everybody. To <laughs> <laughs> He's going loco without his wine. No, I'm just going carnivore. He's... As we like to say, if it has a face, it's delicious. So check that episode out on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast platform all right so again that's called bs free md um during covid they got into some problems and trouble with the uh, the media gods i can't imagine two doctors getting into trouble with the media gods talking about covid can you or or monkeypox or uh there's hey, a new one wait, wait, a what happened to monkeypox it didn't I stick online somebody said hey how come I don't hear anything more about monkeypox? I mean, it was or like a big deal for so long. Killer hornets. I was hoping that the killer hornets would transmit the monkeypox, but unfortunately, uh, it did. I'm very sad about that. But uh, Foki has now said there's going to be a twindemic this winter. Have you heard about that? The he's calling it the twindemic. So what's it? Is it I because I have a twin sister. Does that mean we're both going to get sick? How, you're, how both gonna get, you're both going to get the monkey wasps. Oh, I That's see. They, they throw feces before they sting you. Oh, I want Tabitha to come back. I, I want to know uh, this, this Pinot Gris. We're, we're talking about um, when they when they keep the skins on for a while. Does it give it like? Is there more tannins? Is it change the flavor or is it strictly an aesthetic thing? Do you know? Because you you purchase some of it. Do you know if it changes the flavor really? Well, actually, Rob, with my great knowledge of wine, what it does, I don't know. The color a little bit. I know great yeah, coupon. And the, tann the tannins 
Don't I look darker with my tannins? Is this like a group? Hang that on. Like a, She's like a group from the seventies. Get in here, but she she had a. I can go back. Okay, here. Okay, here's the answer okay. to your question. Hi. Okay. So yes. Yes, it does. It does give it more tannins. Okay. Um, what would you compare it to? Is, is it comparable to something else? Does it start elevating to to the, the flavor of another wine? Is it still kind of have that Pinot Gris thing going on, but just with a little extra dryness to it? Or what is it? What does it do? It, it is dry. It has more tannins. It's um, how would I describe it? So it's not quite as crisp. I don't know, Rick, you like it. What do you feel like you get from it? Yeah. It's so little... it's deeper than a rosé, not as acidic as a rosé, too. So it gives okay. it more depth. It's a little more smooth. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, I, Rick drinks rubbing alcohol mixed with Kool Aid, so I don't know if he's necessarily oof. the guy we want to be talking to. I I disagree. He was here. He had a good palate. He he liked awesome. some of my favorites. So I, I find it's it kind of like a mixture between an IPA and Coors Light. Oh Jesus! Now you you're wrong. <laughs> where's, where's, the, where's the kill button? Where's the kill switch on this? <laughs> well, Tabitha, you said you you said you went and you took a firearms class recently. Oh yeah. I Good did. for you. I, everybody keeps throwing firearms in my hands and wants me to shoot, and I don't feel comfortable at all. So I went and took in my own class. It was a three-hour private lesson, and I learned a lot. And the guy pretty much was like, you need to calm down and breathe. And, I, I mean, I'm a good shot. I, I did do pretty well, but I, it was, I was nervous about it. I, I think I, I need a lot more practice. Well, it's, it's a perishable skill. Don't, don't stop. You're on this journey. You're on this voyage right now. Um, and, and you have, obviously now you have some base knowledge at the very least. It sounds like you perhaps yeah. have access to firearms. Don't stop that in this, in this day and age. And I hate using that cliche, but in this day and age of everything that's going on, um, the more armed, the more informed we are, you know, we talk about an armed society as a polite society. I think we need to be armed with knowledge as well as the means of protecting ourselves. And you're on a great first step to that. Don't stop it. Maintain it. Keep going and keep doing it because it is a perishable skill. Once you have well, a base knowledge of it, it'll go away pretty fast. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to do it because I feel like we're losing our right to not being able to do it. So I want to get what I can while I can. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, and, I, I want to make sure we support this and we have for you. Yeah, our freedom. Our show last night was on measure 114. Um, which is um, on the ballot and very few people know anything about it, but it would greatly not only restrict your, you'd have to probably wait to 18 months to get a, a gun because they're going to have to set up a permit system. And of course, yeah. as Oregon is famous for doing, they vote something in and don't have any money to do anything with it, but it still starts in a month. And so yeah. the sheriff's department has to train people before you can get a permit, before you can get a gun. But even worse than that is it's going to take away like 10% or more of the conservation budgets for all these different agencies that take care of fish, that take care of wildlife. So there's going to be, it's bigger. They, you know, they, and, and then the group, I, I can't remember the name, the group, but it was something like a voice for everyone. Um, like, oh gosh. Where the oh gosh. hell is my voice? This isn't a voice for every, this is a voice for everyone that doesn't want guns in the society. So people need to be really aware of this and look it up. Don't read the voters pamphlets because all that is, is a paid for tabloid. Those people yes. pay to put that stuff in there and they're just trying to sway your vote. So people go to me, well, it said in the voters pamphlet and it's like, Oh my God, you pay for that. That's an ad. It's yeah. not. And, and we've every voice. Yeah. So I thought it was pretty cool that my instructor was like, I'm like, I didn't really have a gun. I have a little, he called it a mouse shooter, a pea shooter. 
um, of a concealed weapon that somebody else gave me. Um, well, a family member, because you can't just give somebody a gun. Anyways, I'm, I'm all legit. Um, but he was saying, he goes, you should you should let the gun choose you, not you choose the gun. So I really liked him. But then when I asked him which guns, he named off like four or five different guns, which I need to be really rich and sell a lot more wine to have that gun collection. Well, I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to, and I'm not throwing out a specific manufacturer for any reason other than uh, my better half went gun shopping the other day. And we've been looking for something. I've got her, you know, she has a little revolver. Uh, she has a couple little autos and stuff like that. Nice little, like little, little bug guns. There's like really cute, little cute as a bug's ears. And, but she wants something a little bit bigger. And I wanted her to have something a little bit bigger with more capacity. So she kind of just went on her own. I said, just handle guns. And you talk about the gun choosing you. It's a mutual thing. Yeah. If it doesn't feel good, and you're not comfortable with it. You're not going to shoot it. If you have a car you don't like, you're not going to drive it. It's the same thing. And she came up with the Springfield Hellcat Pro. And there's a Hellcat and a Hellcat Pro. And I I am not a plastic gun guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a 1911 guy. Always have been. And she picked this. It's a little plastic polymer thing. It's light. It's cute as a bug's ear. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cute. Good for you. You like it. I And then I picked it up. And I don't want to give it back. I even... I brought it to work today. I, I put a little, I put a light on it. You can see a little light on it. Um, so she can do that if she's around the house and intruders are coming in. And I, I tell you, ladies, if you're looking for a, a larger size concealable compact gun, uh, the Hellcat series and the Hellcat Pro. Huh. Again, Rick and I aren't getting anything for this at all. They, yeah, but, I was going to say, is Hellcat paying me for this? Because I know, I'm sorry. They have to now. Yeah. But I've been, I've been very impressed with it. And I'm not a polymer huh. gun guy because I go back to the old days where everything was steel. You got... 15 plus one. I mean, you can shoot all day long. I mean, you, you're going to run out of bad guys before you run out of ammo. So just, I just want to throw that out there. I really enjoy this. It, as long as you're comfortable with it and, and stick with the name brand. It's a Springfield. Springfield was made in America forever, but they're made in Croatia now, which deters a lot of people. Like, What do the Croatians know about guns? I don't know, but I know what this one, they knocked it out of the park. Huh. Well, Tabitha, there you go. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, right, try you know, it out. He knows a lot in that cowboy hat. I know he's he's wine fishing. Admit it, Rick. Admit it. Tabitha's right. Watch, watch <laughs> what Tabitha. No, like that. Okay, so I have one more question for you. Yes. So I suppose that you heard that um, President. Oh God, what's his name again? Um, Come on, Jack. Um. Um, but he's going to Portland. Yeah. What, what do, you, what, do you want to put money on whether he makes it to Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine? <laughs> he's not going to know where he is regardless. Did you see the other day he talked about how his son died in Iraq? It's his son that died stateside of brain cancer. How addled and brain damaged do you have to be? And I, I don't say that in a disrespectful way, but how brain damaged do you have to be to not know the means by which and the location by which your own progeny has passed. He, right. he, he flat out said it was only when he died in Iraq and it's, Oh, that poop my pants, Jill. I, it's, it's gotten to a point now where it's just absolutely out of control. And what, uh, what's her name? Tulsi Gabbard. Go, what's her name? Is that her name? Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. I, I like her. I mean, she's been a, a Democrat forever and you know, she left just up and left the Democrat party the other day. She said, I didn't leave the Democrat party. The Democrat party, left me so and, do, you think it's, do you think it's kind of interesting that tina kotak the, who's running for governor in oregon is calling on joe biden tuna kotex what did you say <laughs> that was a bad bad signal 
that she's calls on Biden to uh, to come out and pump up her, you know, her campaign and stuff. That's I think that's just really interesting because and then did you see where Kate Brown, governor of Oregon right now, isn't even going to be in town when Biden's here? Conveniently, she's going to Asia. So I didn't know that. Like, like, yeah. like which Asia? The, the Asiatic uh, uh, continent. Just probably in her case, Asia Minor. Yeah, or yeah. And the brown is going to the Chinas or something for a while, maybe to do some sort of dirty dealings. Yes. Well, so, would, don't you think that's interesting that 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 you're going okay? So run, run as fast as you can. But it's like what you know the the I, I just I it, it gets crazier and crazier. But what do you have any? Is. You've seen the numbers, and and I have Betsy Johnson is going to be on our show on Monday. Um, good friend of mine, and I know her numbers are slipping down. But I think what people don't understand is. Um, with all three of these people in the race, that's why you're seeing the numbers that you're seeing right now. I'm, uh, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to oh, cause any kind of, but I, cause it's not like me to do that, but I will be writing in my cat for governor. Your cat? My cat. Well, I think we all should. Uh, my cat has a voting record of never voting Democrat and, and never, <laughs> pushing anything controversial my cat ergo is smarter than most democratic voters sorry y'all i just made people mad but it's true <laughs> oh my gosh some people are here we go look at nicole or is this nicholas meow thank you <laughs> he's going yes so don't tell people what your name is is what the name of your cat is because they'll actually write it in and we really need people in yep. oregon to vote miss kitty so, <laughs> so do you think um do you think there's going to be a red wave in Oregon or just in the nation? I hate to answer this because I don't like the answer that I have to give. I am very concerned about, about improprieties. I am very concerned genuinely about fraud. I am genuinely concerned about this whole mail-in ballot thing that we do. And the more electronic you make things, the more apt they are, the more prone they are, the more accessible they are to fraud and deceit. And I'm not necessarily pointing fingers and saying that that has happened, but it's a mechanism by which it allows those things to happen a lot more easily. And, and that concerns me very, very much. All right, Rob. Well, it was nice having you along. For I'm, the what you, I'm done already. Yeah. Cause I got billed. It's, do you know, Bill. right now it's six or it's your time. It's five 30. Bill, and bill, I, bill. It's always about bill. God, you know what's so hard about being the producer of the show is I have to deal with all you prima donna personalities. And, and by the way, I just want to say the the number of people that are coming up to you going, "Hey, I saw you on Dancer's show." Um, that's pretty cool. So, so you you have more than one person watching you, just so you know. Honestly, you know, we, on a on a when Facebook doesn't. So here's what's so funny about Facebook. Back in June. We did our shows and how, how many people you reach. We reached 2.3 million people. The next month, it was 187,000. Yeah. They started throttling back. Then yeah. the next month, it was half a million. And then they throttle. So what we do is yeah. we start <clears throat> in any of my intros, I start not, I don't use the words that they they find and you just have to find ways around them. But yeah, Isn't that crazy? Again, yeah. Gerbil, Ger if Goebbels could come back to life, he would be so excited. He would just love this system. We have, oh, why didn't I think of such a thing? Why couldn't we have Facebook in the Third Reich? Hey, did you see this? Stacy Holt says, we have teams all over Oregon watching the elections, data and all. 
We are making a very hard to cheat. Have faith. Awesome, Stacy. Stacy, awesome. thank, thank you. you. All those people that are willing to do that because um, I think we have to have the, the, the checks and balances. I mean, that's what this yes. is supposed to be all about. And that's why, I, you know, we, we don't need a super majority of any party. In, in, in control. We need people that can have, you, you need it. So it's hard for them. They have to work with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can get better ideas when you have one party that's been ruling Oregon for so many years. How are you ever going to represent that? The, the percentage of people that live in rural Oregon are outside of the, the mainstream. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and, and Miss Kitty will work with opposing parties. Look at Angela says, hope Clackamas County has it together. <laughs> yeah, that would be a cluster screw from last time. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, my God. How do you? I hope that she doesn't still have a job. But, you know, hey, I don't know how you do that. Rob, Basin Tackle, where do they find you if they want to come watch your show? Uh, well, we're, we're on the Facebooks right now. And we're on terrestrial radio more than anything. KWRO, KWRO.com, much other stuff. And we're slowly morphing. So I don't know if you know this, but we are... As of October 31st, there will no longer be a Basin Tackle. What are you going to do? You sold? Um, no, it didn't sell. Nobody wanted to buy it. Um, it it's, it's a tough time, a tough economy. And I'm just I'm just burnt out. And uh, I am going to change my name legally to Rob Dancer. I'm going to um, push myself off as your illegitimate love child from the 70s. And I'm just going to live off your fame. Wow. Get into nightclubs for free. I am going to I'm going to extend your credit, my good friend. I mean, dad, and uh, we're going to go from there. <laughs> you can call me dad, but don't you ever, ever call me daddy. <laughs> oh, oh, why? All right, folks. Thank you again, sir. Everybody, God bless each and every one of you. God bless America. All right. See you, Rob. <laughs> that guy, you know, he had to be like the, the Joe Rogan of Oregon. Um, he's got the comedian. And, and I know some of you didn't like what he had to say, but. You know, I, I heard Joe Rogan this morning saying on his show, um, he had a guest on there who's a producer um, of some major albums and things like that. And they were just saying, Joe Rogan was saying, you know what? I never read anything that people write about me. And he says, that's how I keep my sanity. I work out really hard. I work hard um, and I don't listen to anything. So I'm taking that into consideration and just going to stop answering the trolls. So speaking of trolls, um, Bill London uh, is going to join us as he's been trolling for news. Um, you won't believe what he has for tonight. Here we go. Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London. Hola. And this newscast is brought to you by Dr. Michael Bratland of Chris Dental, where he'll make your teeth smile. See? That's a smiling tooth right there. And notice the tooth has teeth. And it makes you wonder, well, do those teeth have teeth? Sort of like holding two mirrors up to each other. It just seems to go on forever. All right, so the U.S. today authorized updated COVID-19 boosters for kids as young as five. The CDC says they want to expand protection ahead of an expected winter wave. Tweaked boosters rolled out for Americans 12 and older last month. Doses modified to target today's most common and contagious Omicron relative. And while there wasn't a big rush, federal health officials are urging that people get the extra protection ahead of holiday gatherings. 
See, that was one of the best parts about COVID was not having holiday gatherings. Anyway, now the Food and Drug Administration has given the green light for elementary school-aged kids to get updated boosters too. The one made by Pfizer for 5 to 11-year-olds and a version from rival Moderna for those as young as 6. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which recommends how the vaccines are used, also signed off. So before long, you know, we're going to be vaccinating and boosting toddlers. And then by the end of this thing, we're just going to be vaccinating sperm. Well, this is odd. So a voter in Roseburg, that's in Oregon, for those of you watching right now in Montana. Is there anybody watching in Montana, Rick? Anyway, this voter was confused because somebody knocked on her door and started asking questions about the November 2020 election. And this canvasser was carrying an official-looking document titled Douglas County Resident Affidavit. And it included questions about her voting history and voter registration. Now, the voter said she felt intimidated. And it turns out that voters in at least four Oregon counties, not only Douglas, but also Klamath, Columbia, and Lane, have complained to local elections officials about people knocking on their doors, questioning them, and searching for evidence of voter fraud. Election officials across the country say they've actually received similar complaints about people hunting for proof that there is some sort of rigged election going on. Now, just so you know, in Oregon, there is no process, no law for a third party to challenge a voter's registration. Turns out legally only elections officials can actually do that. Well, Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan has acknowledged that both of Education Freedom for Oregon's school choice measures have satisfied Oregon constitutional requirements. So Education Freedom for Oregon is trying to bring school choice to Oregon, empowering Oregon K-12 parents with constitutionally protected rights to be able to choose the school that best fits the needs of their kiddos. Education Freedom for Oregon is going to soon start collecting the necessary 250,000 signatures for each one of those measures to secure spots on the November 2024 ballot. If Oregon were to pass these measures, for instance, Oregon K-12 students would have the right to receive an education in a setting that fits their needs and aligns with the values of the family and the money would follow them, like, for instance, to a private school. So speaking of schools, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but if you didn't, it's interesting. So parents, their kids, and even high school sports leaders are trying to figure out just exactly how new rules in Oregon will allow high school athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, and how it's going to affect high school sports in Oregon. This is just like what they're doing when the NCAA were essentially college football players, basketball players, baseball players, softball players, whatever, can get paid if their name, image, or likeness is used. The Oregon School Activities Association changed its rules, and they oversee all public school sports in Oregon, changed their rules officially Monday to allow high school athletes to profit off their own name, image, and likeness. So what are the rules? Well, OSAA Director Peter Weber said, 
There is no maximum amount that student athletes can earn from the MIL deals, but he says there are still things that probably are going to be worked out as time goes by, but right now they do have a set of actual rules. I guess the question here really is, how is this going to affect high school sports and what does this really do legitimately to teams? You know, I mean, we hear these things about how it builds sportsmanship and how it builds teamwork and the like. And you got a bunch of kids that are playing the line for, say, their star quarterback who's being paid fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars, and they're not getting paid anything to protect them. Are they just going to go, okay, Mister Hotshot, let's see how you do this if we just, you know, miss a few blocks? Anyway, some of the guidelines that. The compensation can't be contingent on, like, for instance, a specific athletic performance, like how many points a kid scores during a game. The compensation can't be used to entice a student to end or uh, go to a particular school or to remain enrolled at a particular school. The compensation can't be provided by a member of the school or say a member of a school booster club, a foundation employee or so on. The student athlete has to disclose the contract and agreement to the school where the student's enrolled. The student can't use the OSAA or any school logos, insignias or anything like that. And they can't reference the school name or mascot. They can't use the school district facilities or equipment for receiving their, their gains. Uh, they can't use school practice or game film for the purpose of NIL activities. They can't promote any services or products during team activities. They can't promote products associated with, and this is the first thing on the list, Adult entertainment products or services. Are, are you telling me that our high school students can't endorse strip joints or porn sites? What kind of hellish dystopian society have we turned Oregon into? They also can't endorse alcohol, tobacco, nicotine, vaping products, pot products, controlled substances. Oh, they can't, oh, you mean we can't have them endorsing fentanyl? Huh. They can't also do prescription medications as far as endorsements. They can't endorse political parties or candidates or any product illegal for people under 18. Gambling, sports betting, betting in connection with online games, mobile devices. Oh yeah, and they also can't endorse weapons, firearms, and ammunition. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of those volleyball players out there that were thinking, man, I'm going to get a sweet deal with Winchester. So Tina Kotek is under fire from a growing number of reports highlighting her silence on questions surrounding her endorsement of a Democratic candidate for the Oregon State House who knowingly hired a sex offender to work on his campaign. Now, we're talking about namely House District 21 Democratic candidate R.J. Navarro. The Statesman Journal in Salem has reported that he knowingly hired a registered sex offender convicted of sexually abusing a child younger than 14 to work on his campaign. That's worthy of endorsement. 
Kotex also catching flack as well on the endorsement she received from Oregon State Senator Jeff Golden of Ashland, who repeatedly used the N-word in a book that he authored. When the news of Golden was reported, Kotek actually moved his endorsement to a less visible page on her website. And Kotek's campaign hasn't responded to media questions why the endorsement was moved or if Kotek would reject Golden's endorsement or what about her endorsement of Navarro. Similarly, Kotek has seemingly tried to keep the endorsement from Governor Brown under wraps instead of touting that I mean, it's an endorsement from the sitting governor, for heaven's sakes, of her same party. Uh, she's just pretty much playing that on the down low. Okay, so Oregon's three leading candidates for governor have absolutely... Mm, what's the best way to put this? Surpassed hugely the fundraising record for a gubernatorial campaign for a combined $47.1 million in total reported donations to their campaign, and we still have a month to go. Now, going back four years, the record was set when Democrat Kate Brown and Republican Newt Bueller, also known in some circles as Canute, raised a total of more than $37.8 million in the entire cycle and spent about $37 million. Well, you'll like this. An environmentalist group filed a lawsuit Tuesday against U.S. Forest Service officials alleging they polluted waterways during their, and this is their word, campaigns against wildfires. Doesn't it make that kind of sound like, you know, it was something that was sort of optional? Oh, we're running this illicit campaign against wildfires. Anyway, they say what they did was they inadvertently dropped large volumes of flame retardant into streams. Now, government data released earlier this month found that aircraft operated or contracted by the Forest Service between 2012 and 2019 may have dropped about 760,000 gallons of fire retardant near streams or into them and other waterways. The main ingredients, by the way, are inorganic fertilizers and salts that, according to the environmentalists, are harmful to fish and other aquatic species. The lawsuit, now, mind you, they're fighting wildfires, like huge wildfires. Can anybody say Holiday Farm Fire, Archie Creek Fire, Beachy Creek? Okay, you get the idea. Anyway, the lawsuit alleges the continued use of retardant from aircraft violates the Clean Water Act. And it requests a judge to make the, this type of, well, firefighting illegal. According to Andy Stahl, the Eugene-based group's executive director, and he is the director of Forest Service Employees for Environmental Ethics, he says it's simply too toxic at the levels used fighting fires. Now, Stahl has been fighting the use of chemical retardants on fires for years. Anyway, that said, the Forest Service officials say in recent years, they've sought to avoid polluting streams during their fights against wildfires by imposing buffer zones around waterways where drops are restricted. So, let's just take, you know, one more tool out of the toolkit. Let's just let them burn down all the trees. Once we get rid of 
all of these trees in Oregon and Washington and California and Montana and all the other states. We're not going to have to worry about, we won't have to worry about major, you know, forest fires because they'll all be burned up. And finally, this is too good to pass up. So today, the, or uh, Tuesday, the U.S. Supreme Court heard an interesting case out of California. It is a California cruelty law that states that pork producers, well, have to follow certain restrictions. So the Supreme Court is going to weigh on the, in on this. And it's a supposed animal cruelty law that pork producers say will totally upend their industry and raise the cost of their products nationwide. Well, when does that ever stop California? Anyway, the justices actually seem to have some concerns beyond bacon, which is really, really short-sighted in my view. Anyway, the pork producers say California's law requiring more space for breeding pigs will force the industry to expensively change its practices, even though pork is produced almost entirely outside of California. Now, the question for the high court is whether the nation's most populous state has violated the U.S. Constitution in its law. And really, both the conservative and the liberal justices were asking about the fate of other state laws that impact other states. For instance, um, one of the justices, Brent Kavanaugh, asked, so what about a law that says you can't sell fruit in our state if it's produced, handled, or otherwise by people who are not in the country legally? Is that state law permissible? His colleague, Justice Elena Kagan, pointed to a law in the state where she grew up. She said, I understand New York has a law that says if you want to import firewood into the state, you have to use a certain kind of pesticide to make sure that various pests don't come in on the firewood. Would that be forbidden? Justice Amy Coney Barrett asked whether California, for instance, could pass a law barring pork from companies that don't require their employees to be vaccinated or from companies that don't fully fund gender-affirming surgery. The case before the court involves California's Proposition 12, which voters passed in 2018. It said that pork sold in the state need to come from pigs whose mothers were raised with at least 24 square feet of space, including the ability to lie down and turn around. Two industry groups, Iowa-based National Pork Producers and the American Farm Bureau Federation, sued over the proposition. They say that Californians consume about 13% of the pork eaten in the U.S., but nearly 100% of it comes from hogs raised outside of the state, mostly the Midwest and North Carolina. The vast majority of sows, meanwhile, aren't raised under conditions that would meet Proposition 12 standards. Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson summed up the issue by saying, to what extent does California get to control what Iowa does with respect to the housing of its pork? The pork producers argue that 72% of farmers use individual pens for sows that don't allow them to turn around, and that even farmers who do house sows in larger group pens don't provide the space that California would require. They also say the way that the pork market works, with cuts of meat from various producers being combined for sale, it's likely all pork produced in the U.S. would have to meet California's standards regardless of where it's sold. So far, the lower court, courts 
sided with California and animal welfare groups that had supported the proposition, throwing out the pork producer's case. The Supreme Court, at least some of the justices, were sounding like uh, the lower court should have done their job, Kavanaugh saying, and we can work out the details if necessary later. The law is yet to go into effect. Thank you, California, for making our life crappy for all of us. Thank you, California. You go, California. All right, Rick, time for you to get real. This look at the news brought to you by Dr. Michael Bratland, Chris Dendel. He'll stick his hands in your mouth. <laughs> okay, so do you? I wonder if California is like a common sense free zone. <laughs> I mean, it's a pig pen. Oh my gosh. I bet you God is up there scratching his head going, I should have used the dolphin. I knew they were smarter. I should have used the dolphin. These humans just aren't living up to my standards. I mean, come on, people. We have to stop this stuff. This is absolutely ridiculous. And that group trying to stop the retardant from being used and the fires. What are you, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, we've got the whole, you know, forest burning down. We oh, it's it's almost as if they don't want us to fight fires at all. Now that couldn't be the case, could it? <laughs> have you guys heard the ironic thing that happened? Um, you know, part of the problem with the, is with these fires is obviously, and the environmental community doesn't want to talk about it, but uh, is mis mismanagement of the forest. We're not managing the forest properly. So when the fires in Oregon burned two years ago, um, the, the, the original rules were put in because of the spotted owl. Um, it was to protect spotted owl habitat. You didn't want to go in and, you know, dig up, clear, do any clearing or anything like that. Well, those fires destroyed. I can't remember the percentage, but it's a huge percentage of the, the of what it destroyed was spotted owl habitat. So the very rules that they created to try to protect this um, spotted owl habitat actually ended up destroying it. Um, maybe we should step back and just go understand that we are in the business of managing forests. Maybe we shouldn't have started, but that would be the Native Americans. And then maybe we shouldn't have taken on that task either, but we've done it and you, got, you can't just pull out now. Um, we do have some folks on our show. Uh, at the end of the month, we're gonna talk about fire suppression and we're doing a lot of things with the timber industry because for some reason, the environmental community does not wanna change its narrative and keep saying it's doing what it's doing to help with climate change. Um, but the best sequestering unit in the, in the world is trees. Trees keep carbon, they eat carbon, they manufacture, they get rid of it. And so we don't plant any more trees. And when they're dead, they put more carbon in the air. And when they burn, they put tons of carbon in the air. So your story doesn't line up. And the only reason you don't wanna change your narrative is because of your ego. And in the meantime, the rest of us in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, California, Montana, Wyoming, we all suffer for it. So it's time people take back the message. And that's what we're going to try to do. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. If you didn't, that's okay too. Um, share it on your page. Let other people know what's really going on. I love the nights we have Bill here. I learned so much. And then I laugh and smile because we are amazing creatures. And sometimes we're so ridiculous. All right. Have a good weekend. I will be back Monday. Betsy Johnson will be joining us on Monday on our show. Um, and then next week on Tuesday, Patrick Moore, who is one of the founders of Greenpeace, is going to be here and talk to us about how ridiculous 
the whole forest management lack thereof plan is when it comes to what we just talked about. He's a known expert. He's very controversial, and he's going to be joining us on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, we're going to be with BS Free MD, um, and they're going to be doing a live podcast with us with one of their guests. And then on Friday, I have a Montana woman who's a chainsaw artist who's going to join us and talk about um, how she finds creatures in trees with a chainsaw. All right. Have a good week. We'll see you our weekend and we'll see you on Monday for Betsy Johnson. Good night.